Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with News and Views from the Nefarium on Thursday, September 26, 2019. Uh, Going to do a little bit of housekeeping first. We do have a vid chat tomorrow afternoon at 2 p.m. I've already got some questions that came in a week and a half ago, so it may be one of those vid chats that goes a long time. I may be starting early tomorrow, folks, as there's a chance of storms tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow evening. I don't want to uh, have the vid chat canceled, so I'm going to probably start early because uh, storms, as you know, really upset my little pooch. And um, I want to make sure and get the vid chat done because we've already had some questions. So I'll be in the, in the chat room as usual earlier than the scheduled time. I might begin the vid chat about 1.30. Uh, I'll be in the vid chat early just for our usual pre-chat banter and conversation. So that's going on tomorrow. But now let's go to today because this is a very unusual news and views from the Nefarium for two reasons. Reason number one, I just blogged today about the subject of today's news and views. And when I woke up, as I, uh, as you'll read when I post this, when I woke up and went through my inbox, I discovered two more articles on the subject that I blogged about today, and wow. <laughs> so I decided, secondly, this is unusual, because I want to do an immediate update on what I wrote in today's blog on the website. So what we're going to be talking about is unusual for news and views. We're going to be talking a little bit about some technology and a little bit about some physics and about the strange story that's been going on that some people have been noticing and sending to me. And kudos to all of you on the website that have been following this story and sending articles. I really thank you. The story is about American aircraft carriers and the electronic refit that seems to be going on across the American Navy on various ships, including the U.S. aircraft carriers. And GB found these two articles. I really want to thank this individual for sending these along, and I want to read them to you. And I want you to note something very, very important here. The first article that I'm citing from is an article by Tyler Rogoway. I will link this in the uh, video feed description that was published just this year on August 30th, 2019. The second article that I'll be referring to is from 2018, and that's an important part of the story. Now, the article that I want to talk about, I'm going to be reading <laughs> several paragraphs from Mr. Rogoway's article. And then I'm going to skip to the second article. I want you to listen extraordinarily carefully and closely to the paragraphs that I'm reading. This is a rather long article. And incidentally, this article, if you uh, should be interested, and I would advise you to read it because you can go online, read his article, and look at the pictures that he has provided to accompany the article. They're, they're kind of important. But anyway, the article that Mr. Rogaway wrote is titled, Shadow a New Electronic Warfare System Has Been Installed on U.S. Navy 7th Fleet Ships. Now, the 7th Fleet is, for those of you who are unaware, the 7th Fleet is the, America, the, the fleet that is based in the Pacific, all right? So, in other words, the concern here is China and Russia, all right? So, let's begin. 
Quote, the Department of Defense supposed pivot to the Pacific began nearly a decade ago. Since then, the threats that drove it have evolved, diversified, and spread. This expanded strategic focus has been redefined geographically to include the Indian and Pacific Oceans, a vast territory renamed the Indo-Pacific in Pentagon parlance. With China, Russia, and North Korea all rising in terms of the threat they pose to American interests in this increasingly volatile region, advanced and highly tailored capabilities are being rapidly fielded to counter them. One such system is a major yet nearly unacknowledged uh, addition to the existing electronic warfare defense suites installed aboard America's fighting ships forward deployed to the Seventh Fleet's vast area of responsibility. Now I'm skipping. The most well-known of these systems is the long-serving and still-evolving AN-SLQ-32 Surface Electronic Warfare Improvement Program, or SUWIP, found on nearly all large U.S. Navy vessels. In its contemporary form, it has gained the ability to passively detect and geolocate many types of emissions and emitters in the battle space, significantly adding to situational awareness of the vessels that it is installed on. As well as other platforms, they are connected with, via data link, thus enhancing their collective survivability. In other words, that's the clue, folks. These systems are linked, and that's going to be very important to my analysis. So latch on to that. It also allows for guileful electronic warfare capabilities to be employed against communication systems, ships' radars, and other emitters, not just marauding anti-ship cruise missiles and aircraft. The Block 3 iteration of SUIP takes these capabilities to a whole new level via the addition of the latest in active electronically scanned array technology, latch on to that word array because, again, that's important to my analysis, and other enhancements. In fact, now this is Mr. Rogaway. Listen to this. In fact, it seems obvious that the SUAP system is developing into an offensive weapons system as well as a defensive one. You can read all about SUIP and its Block 3 capabilities in this past Warzone feature. Even though it gets all the notoriety, the ANSLQ-32 is no longer the only major electronic warfare system in the Navy's topside electronic warfare ecosystem. I realized that a substantial new set of electronic warfare hardware had been fielded after I spotted something strange when I randomly re-examined the photos of the badly damaged destroyer USS Fitzgerald that were taken after its horrific conclusion in June of 2017. Just above the damage, a pair of strange, faceted, coffin-like structures are seen attached to the Arleigh Burke-class destroyer's bridge wings. This image jolted my memory. Now, I want to stop there because you'll recall when that incident occurred, I blogged about two possibilities that may have accounted for the collision. Number one, that some sort of electronic warfare platform may have been on the merchant ship that collided with the Arleigh Burke 
and either took out or drastically impaired its electronic warfare sensing uh, package. The other possibility was that somehow the crew on the on the uh, Fitzgerald had been subject to some sort of remote uh, electronic uh, electronic mind manipulation technology, or that the crew had suffered some sort of unanticipated mind response from the electronic warfare package on the USS Fitzgerald. All right. I want you to remember those two things because they're going to play a role and they played a role in today's blog on my website. So what I'm doing again is I'm considerably revising and expanding my remarks in the blog. Now, continuing. I remembered hearing about a new system being rushed to the seventh fleet the better part of a decade ago but had not noticed it manifest itself physically since that somewhat obscure initial report. That is, until I realized it was hanging on the bridge wings of the Fitzgerald. Skipping again. Upon researching the subject, it turns out that there is some, albeit very limited, information on this system. The system itself is designed in part by ITT Exilis, now L3 Harris, and designated the ANSLQ-59. But it was known by the general concept it is built upon. Listen carefully to this one, folks. The transportable electronic warfare module, or TEWM for short. TEWM was designed from the outset to be rapidly replicated if need be and installed on additional vessels. It is modular and highly adaptable in nature. In other words, it can be reconfigured easily to address emerging threats and can be easily moved physically and integrated onto new platforms or even land installations and so on and so forth. Skipping just a bit. As far as its applications, listen carefully, it is only described as a counter-terminal threat defense system. In other words, it is built at least primarily to fend off enemy missiles or other weapons during their end-game attack on the ship itself. It is also fully network enabled. Let me repeat that one, folks. This is a crucial point. It is also fully networked enabled and can be controlled either by the host ship itself or remotely as part of a larger integrated electronic warfare employment strategy. Now, folks, I told you to be aware of that word that was used earlier in his article, of an array, because what it sounds like that this little gadget is, this removable platform of electronic warfare package, is that it's a component of, or could be a component of, a phased antenna array. So in other words, you put several of these devices on several ships, and together, all of these devices on all of those ships constitute a phased antenna array. That is crucial here, folks. And it's crucial also to the idea that this is a final layer of uh, point defense 
systems and has an offensive capability. Remember, he said this earlier. This is, folks, I can't tell you how huge this is if my speculation today is correct. Now, let me continue with Mr. Rogaway's article. Some posit that a particular weapon sparked the need for the system. That may be true, but considering that we have no clear idea of exactly what it is aimed at countering, speculation as to what type of weapon catalyzed it, its deployment remains just that, speculation. It would have been something that the ANSLQ-32 suite couldn't counter reliably. Some have speculated the request was a result of developments in Chinese anti-ship ballistic missile capabilities. This is possible, but given their mounting locations, this seemed less likely than an advanced cruise anti-ship missile system, possibly one with extreme speed and a relatively exotic radar seeker. So in other words, what he's saying is this system is deliberately designed to track missiles that are flying very fast, very low, and have an exotic radar signature. And it's designed to counter that threat. Now, how, how would you do that? And remember, this is a phased array, like HARP in Alaska, okay? Let's continue. The truth is that the ANSLQ-59 could have been designed to counter something that isn't a missile at all, like swarms of small drones that could wreak havoc on a sensor-covered fighting ship or a swarm of unexplosive-laden unmanned boats. The system does not, pardon me, the system does show up in budget documents. For instance, under the ANSLQ-32 line item in the 2019 budget, ANSLQ-59 is described cryptically as such, quote, Block 3TANSLQ-59 will provide an electronic attack, listen to that word, attack capability improvement required for the ANSLQ-32 system to keep pace with the threat. Block 3T provides initial interim capability of a focused application of the Naval Research Lab transportable electronic module system to meet an urgent operational need. Okay, now that's Mr. Rogoway's article. So what do we take away from it? We take away the fact that this little gadget, this thing that's in these coffin-like structures that are put on ships, they're modular, they can be networked with each other. They can be controlled from the ship that they're on or from a ship that they're not on. In other words, another ship remotely. So in other words, they work in a network and that network is telling me that ultimately these things are a phased antenna array. Now, what can you do with a phased antenna array before I get to the second article? If you know what a phased array is, phased arrays are used to bend radio and radar signals over the curvature of the Earth. And they do this by interferometry. In other words, they send out one beam, they send out another beam, they intersect over a certain area, and that creates an interference pattern. And that interference pattern is what's actually doing the work of bending the signal, and that's also that interference pattern that is building up tremendous energy. 
In fact, you can do it in such a way, it's like soldiers marching across a bridge. If they don't break step, what do they do? They keep loading energy into that structure. And it's that interference pattern that's going to build up a tremendous amount of energy over time if you keep those beams focused in that area. All right, with me so far? That's the way HARP operates. They, they are producing that gigawatt of power, of radio broadcast power, at a point or a small region in the ionosphere by doing precisely this, beaming several different beams and overlaying them in a different area. And the result is the output of power is a lot greater than the input of power because of the energy of those overlapping interfering waves. I hope you all understood that, all right? Because now we get to the second article, and I think this one, when I read this, this was an eye popper because this may indeed be what's going on on American aircraft carriers and what is, uh, it may be the confirmation of what many people have speculated on the internet, that they're getting some sort of very sophisticated uh, prototypical Tesla shield, a force field designed to detonate incoming missiles and perhaps as Rogaway suggested, an offensive electronic warfare capability as well. And this is a very short article. Again, I'm going to link it. This is the article from 2018. And it's by Justin Rorlick and Dave Gershgorn. And it was published on November 29th, 2018. The article is titled, quote, the U.S. Navy wants electronic weapons that go to 11, unquote. And I'm going to read several paragraphs here. Again, listen very carefully. Quote, the U.S. Navy is courting proposals from defense contractors to design the next generation of electronic warfare technology. It's looking for devices that can be used to jam enemy radar and missile systems and deceive hostile forces. And the service branch wants equipment that goes to 11. The saying is, he, control, he who controls the electronic spectrum controls the world. Stanton Parsons, a former Navy pilot who flew the jamming radar EA-6A electronic intruder airplane, told Quartz. If you don't control the electronic warfare spectrum, you will lose. Reflecting the Navy's increased use of small unmanned ships and drones to augment and extend the capabilities of its existing force, the service branch is looking for ways, listen folks, to use a multitude of these devices to at once create an antenna capable of sending out radio frequencies with the power equivalent to those emitted from black hole jets or gamma ray bursts. According to documents from a Navy presentation given to defense contractors last month and posted in a federal contracting database. Let me read that one more time. Reflecting the Navy's increased use of small, unmanned ships and drones to augment and extend the capabilities of its existing force, 
The service branch is looking for ways to use a multitude of these devices at once to create an antenna capable of sending out radio frequencies with the power equivalent to those emitted from black hole jets. Those are the things in the center of galaxies, folks, that are sending out these tremendously powerful bursts of energy. Or from gamma ray bursts. Those are the things that are spit out by quasars or, if you destabilize them, the nuclei of radioactive isomers. Remember my book, Philosopher's Stone and the Nazis with their thorium-229 isomer? According to documents from a Navy presentation. So stop. What they just said was, we want to be able to create an electronic warfare package that creates a phased array antenna. In other words, all the ships of a task force are now part of a phased array antenna, like HARP, but now they want to make it so that the resulting pattern of interferometry from all of those antennas can be directed, and presumably over a point or a region, and result with the power of a gamma ray burst. That's pretty interesting because if they make it work that's a pretty nifty missile defense shield uh it may not just fry the electronics of a missile but if they develop this thing you know two or three iterations of the technology down the line it might even be capable of frying the missile all right if you take my meaning and using it in an offensive capacity you might be able to target those bursts of energy at a very small, precise point, all right? This is extremely important, folks. And everything that you're hearing in this article suggests to me that uh, this is what you're dealing with. Now, this article also says something very interesting, and I want you to pay attention. Later on, it says radio systems send out, pardon me, radar systems send out radio waves that bounce off a target and return to the receiver. And folks, let me tell you right there, if you have believed that story, that's the popular version of radar that has been pushed and shoved in everybody's faces for decades. Let me tell you right now, radar is not a bounce. What radar does is it stimulates an electrical current in the object that it's being beamed at. And it's that current, in turn, which creates radio waves that the receiver picks up from the object. And if you know the resonant frequency of the object you're firing radar at and can fire radar in resonance with that frequency, you're going to get an even bigger return. So in other words, what I just told you folks is that regardless of how stealthy you think your aircraft are, inevitably that aircraft is going to have a resonant frequency, which if you know, you can pick it up. All right. So forget about this idea of radar being a bounce. But the interesting thing is now is with a phased antenna array, you could quickly zero in on that resonant frequency in an object using several different frequencies that you're beaming to it. And the frequency that responds with the most energy in 
the so-called reflection or the stimulated electronic current in that object is going to be the resonant frequency. So this system looks to me like this could be a way of tuning into that resonant frequency and then using that resonance effect to destroy the object itself once you know the frequency. So whatever's going on here, whatever model of my speculation you want to take, it looks to me like, number one, the U.S. Navy has created some sort of system of making each ship a component of a phased antenna array and that that phased antenna array in turn is going to be used for jamming for a sort of force field effect and possibly potentially over several iterations of the technology, even as a targetable offensive weapon. So in other words, harp is at sea and folks, if you've been following the story about HARP since uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Nick Begich and Gene Manning first broke the story decades ago, if you've been following that story, you know that that technology can influence and manipulate weather. It can manipulate the magnetosphere. In my opinion, that means it could also create resonance effects in the sun. And now you've turned a task force, potentially, if you if you iterate the technology over several generations, you've now turned that stationary phased array in Gakona, Alaska into a moving array. So these are huge, huge developments um, in, in, the whole, um, in the whole strategic picture. Something is going on with this story. So anyway, that's my update today, guys. I had to talk about this because when uh, GB sent those articles, I thought, wow, you know, on the very day that, that the blog appears on the website, so I've got to update that blog rather than just wait about it. So anyway, that's the blog today. Don't forget, tomorrow we do have the, new, uh, the vid chat scheduled to start at 2. I'm probably going to start early tomorrow, about 1.30, I guess, uh, because of the po uh, potential that we're going to have some stormy weather, I want to make sure and get through the vid chat tomorrow uh, before the storms upset my little pooch. Uh, my little pooch just goes absolutely ballistic <laughs> when there are storms around. So anyway, uh, I do have already some questions sent in. So if you're planning to attend the vid chat, uh, send in your questions now. I'm going to be in the chat room, as always, a little early to have a little uh, pre-chat banner and conversation. Anyway, that's it for today's news and views, folks, and I'll see you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Bye-bye, and God bless.